and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Tonight, I want to break down the Bengals' 27-17 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers and go through some just, you know, wave of wire goodness for those of us that are lucky enough to be alive in the fantasy football playoffs with Week 16 now on the horizon. It's been quite the grind to get here. I sincerely hope that all of you that have been listening to this podcast since uh, we debuted back in July have, you know, had some plenty of success in your fantasy football leagues. We are not done yet, though. Got one more game. But quickly want to go through the Steelers win, or excuse me, Steelers loss uh, to the Bengals. I'm still so shocked they lost. I just can't even get over it. Want to go over that game quickly uh, before we get move on. So thank you as always for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And without further ado, let's get after it. Yeah. What an unbelievable first half. I mean, just unbelievably bad first half by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am still just in shock over this performance, and my mind is like refusing to believe how bad they played. One of the best in-game graphics I've seen, you know, we've had some legendary ones, the Randy Moss, three catches, 163 yards, three touchdowns against the Cowboys, one that really sticks out. Then, with five minutes left in the second quarter, it was five for 13 for negative two yards and an interception. This was an absolutely atrocious performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, really, from start to finish. So Bengals were able to build a 17-0 halftime lead, and it was due to a lot of help from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben lost a fumble uh, early on. I mean, he had two drop picks throughout the game. He ended up throwing an interception just directly to a linebacker to help set up, set up a short field. But, uh, you know, hey, we got to give Ryan Finley a little bit of credit. I thought the broadcast was going a little bit too far uh, in what he was able to do out there. But he did find Giovanni Bernard for a 14-yard touchdown on a pretty uh, angle route out of the backfield. You know, the type of play that just works all the freaking time in Madden and those old NCAA games alike. So, Gio found the end zone twice in the first half, once in that 14-yard angle route, and then again on a four-yard rush. So, hey, Bengals came out, you know, 17-0 lead. Quickly seemed like that was going to go away because the Steelers, you know, were able to score uh, 10 points in the first uh, 10 minutes of the third quarter, uh, one of which was a 23-yard touchdown from Ben Rossberger to Deontay Johnson on the outside. You know, Deontay, great game from him out there. Did not drop a single pass. Incredible. Scholars debate if he will ever drop a pass again. Maybe, but he at least didn't in this game when his fantasy football managers needed him the most. In the third quarter, we actually saw the live money line swing all the way back to the Steelers' side, but was not meant to be. Ryan Finley marched the boys down the field, ended up having a 23-yard touchdown rush. Really was the best part of his game tonight, you know, just his ability to run the ball, which, believe me, is not very high. He, had, he took a read option later in the game, tried to get past Mega Fitzpatrick, just was not happening. I mean, he is far from a dual-threat quarterback, but it was enough to get the job done tonight. So Pittsburgh, you know, made a late push. He was able to get a one-yard touchdown by Benny Snell, but uh, when it came down to it, last drive of the game like all right they're saying could have been a pass interference on a deep ball or chase claypool it probably should have been pi but with that said the only reason the last drive kept continuing was because of that phantom pi on deontay johnson in the end zone you can say his hand was around his hip but i don't know sure didn't look like he was a uh, 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 just being much of a d- detriment to him uh, from what i was watching so i don't know it's one of these games where again ben two dropped interceptions like come on we can't sit here and say oh they were one you know bad missed defensive pass interference call away from winning this one Bengals is to win this one uh, and you know even if it was a little bit closer than the 10 point uh final tally indicated credit to them for getting the third win of the season i am so shocked that they even got to win the post borough era with how bad they have looked and that's also a testament to just how bad pittsburgh is playing at the moment so Quickly going through some of these snaps. Ben, yeah, I mean, look, 38 attempts, 170 yards, touchdown, and interception. You know, I, I do my quarterback rankings on Monday, and I had him ranked as the uh, QB 16 going into uh, week 16 just before this game, based purely on volume. But at this point, I don't even know if we can uh, ride the volume because it's just more and more and more. It's like, w- at what point can we just keep going back to well with this volume? I'm not saying we've ranked him more than like a QB 2, uh, you know, of the upside variety here in past weeks. But, you know, at some point, we just got to realize that 
that he is playing atrocious football right now. He is not going to be a recommended start in the, you know, fantasy football championship in week 16. I understand, you know, versus the Colts, we've seen better quarterbacks get it done, but this is a good defense. And again, we just have not seen anything from Ben lately to indicate that, you know, a big time turnaround could be away. So, you know, Matt Ryan, Mitch Trubisky, uh, even, you know, Phillip Rivers probably on the other sideline. Guys, I would be willing to start ahead of Ben Roethlisberger in week 16 for the fantasy football championship. Benny Snell's night started out a little slow for him, but was able to go out there, got that one yard touchdown. Like I mentioned, looks spry a couple times. I mean, hey, matchup against the Bengals, I get it. The guy isn't going to be a superstar or anything, but at least he dominated this backfield with 18 carries, and he also was able to catch three of his four targets. So without James Conner in the picture, Benny Snell actually is someone next week. Not an ideal matchup, but... It was good to see a Pittsburgh Steelers running back have any level of success with Benny Snell, you know, really emerging as at least the lead, uh, you know, backup to Connor. I think we can get back to treating him as a more confident low-end RB2 for however long Connor is going to remain sidelined. Uh, with these wide receivers, you had Deontay, team-high 13 targets. Again, not a single drop. Great job, uh, Deontay. Did catch that 23-yard touchdown down the sideline. Seemed to cramp up at the end of the third quarter, but came back in, which was good to see. I mean, look, he had some missed opportunities as well early on. Ben was seriously just missing these guys left and right. Uh, usually overthrowing them, so could have been a bigger game for him. Chase Claypool, you know, mentioned that probably should have been a DPI at the end of the game, but three catches, 54 yards, had a nice 37-yard catch and run just on a short screen. I mean, this dude is electric with the ball in his hands. Wish they would do more to get it to him. Juju Smith-Schuster got blown the F up on a crosser by Von Bell. It was not targeting. He hit him square in the chest and proceeded to fumble the ball. We were looking at some absolutely atrocious uh, situations in fantasy. I'm sure there were some, you know, just bad finishes where you only needed X amount of points from him because only three catches, 15 yards, and as I said, had that fumble. So, you know, Juju, quit freaking dancing on everyone's logos before the game. Maybe the uh, fantasy football and real-life football uh, karma gods won't be coming at you uh, this way. It is funny, though, when there is a big hit like this and we end up seeing you know, a, a something challenged with the play. In this case, it was the fumble. And then they just show the replay again and again and again. Adds so much insult to injury. You have to absolutely love it. Eric Ebron also got absolutely teed off on pretty much like never should have been in that position. Ben forced the ball into triple coverage when he had Claypool breaking wide open down the middle of the field. Unfortunately, Ebron missed the rest of the game with a back injury after not catching a single pass. So that's pretty much it from the Pittsburgh side of the ball. And yeah, look, I don't want to take too much away from Cincinnati, but Finley threw the ball 13 freaking times, completed seven of them for 89 yards and a score. He dropped a nice one down the sideline to A.J. Green in the bucket, you know, for a 30-yard gain. Again, he had the 14-yard touchdown to Gio Bernard on the angle route. But other than that, he looked every bit like the, you know, worst quarterback in the league that he was last year among, I think it was like 58 qualified quarterbacks, dead last in PFF passing grade. So, look, you know, hey, good for the Bengals for getting a win. And I guess, uh, you know, hey, not knocking off the, uh, you know, divisional rival uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. But other than Giovanni Bernard, who had 25 carries uh, for eight three yards and a touchdown nobody is going to be a recommended fantasy option next week and even then guys like come on we shouldn't be lining up to play uh really anybody i'm checking who they are playing uh next week as i speak and the Bengals are going to have the houston texans so hey that's a reasonable spot for giovanni bernard but again just not seeing nearly enough from the passing game to have any sort of faith in A.J. Green or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, unfortunately, is in the concussion protocol. He ran a nice uh, double move, got wide open deep, but Finley badly underthrew him. That was kind of the story of the game on Finley's misses, and uh, he ended up getting banged up once he hit the ground. So hope you are okay, Tyler Boyd. But again, either way, Higgins, Green, Boyd, we just cannot trust these guys with the fantasy football championship on the line. So that is going to do it for that game review. Again, congrats to Ben. 
Bengals on a 27-17 victory. Before we get on some waiver wire goodness, quick shout out to our sponsors, all first time depositors on Monkey Knife Fight that put at least 20 bucks in their account while using promo code PFF or receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just 20 bucks, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. All right, everybody, as always with these waiver wires, not every person I'm going to talk about is like someone I'm recommending, but I've just gone through some articles around the industry and we'll have more up on PFF tomorrow. These are the guys that, you know, everyone is recommending. I want to give my thoughts on them, see if there's someone we should actually be chasing or not. First off, Tony Pollard, if he is out there, he needs to be on your fantasy football team in week 16. He probably needs to be starting, not just because Tony Pollard is awesome, and he is. Over the past two seasons, among every running back with at least 100 carries, Tony Pollard is number one in yards after contact per rush attempt. So truly, he's awesome. And you know, when we see all these comparisons with him and Ezekiel Elliott and how Pollard's been so much better and everything. That's fair, but Tony Pollard's been better than almost every running back in the league and everything over these past two years. So a little bit of that is not having the huge volume. I get it. I'm not saying he would keep up these gaudy efficiency numbers if he was getting 300 carries a year, but either way, he's made the most out of his workload and he does give us that home run hitting ability. And we saw that last week, you know, not having the most consistent success against the 49ers until he did. 40-yard touchdown at the end of the game, broken good three tackles along the way. But the biggest thing here is not not just the talent, it's the usage. 90% snap rate, 12 carries, 9 targets. Look, the Eagles are not an easy matchup. They have a good chance to dominate this Cowboys offensive line, but that sort of pass game usage and, you know, the lead running back in terms of just early down work, uh, just on top of that, Tony Pollard is going to be a legit top 12 option at the RB position this week against the Eagles. He needs to be in fantasy football lineups. We drafted him as a handcuff to be a potential league winner. It's looking like he might be just that down the stretch. Next up, Salvin Ahmed and Lim Bowden facing the Las Vegas Raiders. So with Ahmed, his usage last week was great. 60% snaps, 23 carries, two targets. We saw Matt Breida down 25%, 13 carries. They wanted to you know, run the ball a lot more with each of Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, and Mike Jasicki out. And particularly, uh, Miles Gaskin out led to Ahmed getting the lead role. So Gaskin got placed on the COVID list on December 12th. He should have a legit chance to return this week. If not, Salvin Ahmed is a legit top 24 option with you know a potential uh, for 20 plus carries. I mean, he's not an amazing talent, but hey, they're playing the Raiders, and I think even saying top 20 is probably not giving enough credit. 20 plus touches, I mean, we gotta embrace that. He's, I mean, he hasn't been bad this year. He hasn't impressed me a ton, but this probably was his pe- best game we saw against the Patriots, actually breaking some tackles and showing some burst and also a little bit of ability in the past game. So, I'm gonna even say, you know, top 15. I do my rankings uh, Wednesday morning, so don't shoot me if, uh, you know, I change my mind before then, but either way, uh, I do think Ahmed's gonna be a viable fantasy star as long as Miles Gaskin remains sideline. If Gaston comes back, it's going to be a situation to probably avoid with a likely committee on the horizon. If we wanted to dart at anybody, it would be Gaskin. With Lim Bowden. So, look, having Jasicki, having Devontae, having Jakeem Grant out again would certainly put Bowden in that recommended start pool. He does still have a higher floor, I think, even if only some of these guys come back. The concern last week was if Jasicki came back because we were seeing Bowden only work out of the slot. Last week, though, season high, 24 snaps out wide. It was on the field for 90% snaps in the game. And hey, he has you know 16 total targets over the past two weeks, and he's done a pretty good job catching 13 of them for, uh, let's see, 109 yards. So, 
Seven rush attempts on the season. You know, they can throw the ball. Wildcat formation. They like getting this guy the ball. They don't still have, you know, the most perfect plan for him. But, hey, they give him the ball. He uh, had a wild play. We were running across the field, breaking some tackles after kind of, you know, a trick play pass. Wasn't exactly going their way. So, Lem Bowden seems like a good player. You know, we are talking about some of these wide receivers. Him, Richard Higgins, Darnell Mooney. They're solid enough guys that, you know, if you see them out there on the waiver wire, you can pick them up. Sliding them in as, you know, your flex option, your desperate flex option, maybe in some of these deeper leagues. But not necessarily people that we need to be, you know, force feeding, getting into that fantasy football lineup. Someone that we do need to do that for is Jalen Hurst. We told you on this podcast, just the difference making that his rushing brings to the table. But look, now he is locked in as a legit top five fantasy football QB with demonstrated passing upside to go along with this ridiculously fantasy friendly rushing role. So, hey, we knew this was the week to start Jalen Hurts. Cowboys league worst defense in yards before contact per carry. That's only going to enhance the best part about Hurts' game. But look, I mean, last week, it wasn't the most ridiculous passing highlight reel in terms of just tight window passes. But man, when you look at the the options he's really thrown to. Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Goddard's a stud, but Jalen Rager, he got hurt. Greg Ward, hey, he's making plays out there. I'm Patrick Peterson. Like, it's wild to see, but this is a guy that was out of the league as recently as a couple years ago. So, you know, not too many options out there to really separate from Hurts, and we still saw him giving his guys a chance. And that's all we need. I mean, he had two passes to Dallas Goddard before their final drive that, I mean, he gave the guy a chance to catch the ball and potentially give them the, uh, you know, game tying touchdown. So, Jalen Hurts, he has that passing upside that we just simply didn't know he had. It didn't really matter for fantasy purposes like he was going to be a QB1 regardless in this matchup but now that we add that true passing upside to it guys Jalen Hurst this week is my QB let's see pulling it up he is my QB4 on the week the only guys I'm starting ahead of Jalen Hurts are Kyler Murray uh, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes wow that we got to this point but truly hope you grab Jalen Hurts he is turning out to be a fantasy football superstar right when it matters most we got the Bears facing the Jaguars, which means Mitch Trubisky and Darnell Mooney are viable fantasy options. So Trubisky has been a true boomer bust quarterback this year. In his starts, he has produced QB7, QB24, QB9, QB23, QB4, most recently QB25 performances. So, you know, it's games that he has been benched in, so he has another dud you can throw along with it. But hey, the Jaguars, this is a prime matchup where even if Dave Montgomery takes over, it should be, you know, an efficient enough game where uh, Mitch can make the most out of his opportunities. So Jaguars have been so bad. 30 first in fantasy points per game to QB, eighth against wide receivers. That's where Mooney comes in as well. And hey, give the Bears, you know, a little bit of credit on offense. Talked about this on the uh, Monday pod or, you know, where I was going through every game from Sunday. But since Trubisky came back under center, I mean, they've scored 25, 30, 36, and most recently 33 points. So I get it. Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings, not exactly the most loaded uh, schedule they've been facing in that, you know, NFC North. But hey, Jacksonville Jaguars, not like that problem is exactly going away this week. So continue to go the well with some of these Bears offensive pieces. Uh, Rashard Higgins and Baker Mayfield versus Jets. You know, we're just attacking these matchups, everyone. You know, I told you last week on the waiver wire pod to look ahead to this because these are the guys that, you know, are now on the top of the waiver wire list. So Baker, I mean, just what he's done the last four weeks has been wild. Fantasy QB 10, QB 3, QB 3, and he was a QB 12 pre-Monday Night Football. Don't think that's going anywhere. Look, the Bakers only asked ba- I'm saying the Bakers. The Browns only asked Baker to throw the ball more than 30 times twice in weeks 1 through 12 combined. That's happened in three consecutive games. The whole problem in Cleveland, just like it is in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, is volume. Now, we weren't seeing Baker Mayfield display the sort of high-end efficiency that he has been for the last month, really, since the you know weather stopped being bad in Cleveland. But now he has that. So we're looking at a legit borderline QB1 in Baker Mayfield, just like Kirk Cousins has been the entire year. So that means that Richard Higgins is also starting to 
get boomer bust wide receiver three value. I mean, hey, since those awful round, awful rain games, we had a uh, you know one catch, fifteen yard dud, but then six catches, ninety five yards in the score, six catches, eighty nine yards in the score. Most recently, four catches, seventy six yards, average of six point five targets per game. Again, viable wide receiver three if you need him. Before we get to the last few guys, quick shout out to a sponsor. Subscribe to PFS Elite annual subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite subscription access and one year of Action Pro subscription access for just $199.99. That's $199 and just $0.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering tailor-made tools to make Avid and new betters better. This is a limited time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl. This offer also only applies to first-time Elite annual subscribers. Just a few more waiver wires to go through. Thank you, as always, listen to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. So look, Jeff Wilson against the Cardinals this week, not the same smash ball we had against the Cowboys. I don't think we need to necessarily jam these 49ers running backs into our lineups. But hey, most is going to be out with this ankle injury. We can trust Wilson as the RB1 in San Francisco, at least to some extent. Tevin Coleman's still there. Jerick McKinnon's still there. But hey, if Mostert's back, we got to actually feel better about him. So last week, you know, it was pretty much put, put both these guys in the lineup. But that's not how it worked out. You look at the total snaps and the total numbers and okay, Okay, Mostert and Wilson were actually like 50-50 again, but just in the first half, it was Mostert at 24 snaps, Wilson had 11, Jarek McKinnon only three. So truly, it's the Raheem Mostert show. If he's healthy, we'll see how this ankle injury pans out. If he's not, then Jeff Wilson becomes the uh, you know low-end RB2. But again, not the same you know overall matchup smash bot we saw last week against the Cowboys. Falcon slot receiver Russell Gage facing the Chiefs. Look, he's accounted for a touchdown in three straight games. I mean, this dude has a cannon on him, and he's not a bad slot receiver in his own right. But look, Chiefs, fifth best defense in yards per, per, per attempt allowed this slot and explosive pass play rate. Not something we should actively be attacking. But, you know, if Julio comes back, I almost feel better about Gage just because, you know, okay, Matt Ryan was good last week without Julio, but that was pretty much the first game all season without their all-world wideout that we've seen Ryan, you know, maintain some level of fantasy upside. So, you know, Gage, Higgins, Mooney. I understand these guys aren't ideal. I would say out of the group, uh, you know, I feel best about targeting I would say Lynn Bowden, if uh, you know these Dolphins wide receivers remain out, if they come back, I would say Richard Higgins with the way Baker's just balling. I think the Jets are going to kind of force them to pass more than people might think. Then I go Mooney, and then in last place would probably be Russell Gage. So I'm just not quite buying this latest resurgence. You know, there are plenty of games in the middle of the year where Julio was out. And we didn't see Gage do much. I think he's had a nice little stretch, but don't necessarily think this Chiefs game is the matchup we should actively be targeting. And last but not least, we have last but not least we have Le'Veon Bell against the Falcons. So it looks like. Clyde edwards Elair will be missing the remainder of the regular season with those ankle and groin injuries. So let me not see him get banged up at the end of the game as well on a horse collar. Ten- tentatively think he is okay. So look, we did have one game this year when Clyde was help- was active, but active only for emergency only. In that game, Le'Veon Bell, 52% snaps, 11 carries, three targets. Daryl Williams, 48% snaps, six carries, two targets. So Daryl is like their two-minute back that's going to be out there. He's kind of like a Malcolm Brown guy where he racks up the high snaps. They trust him, but he's not necessarily going to be, you know, competing for the touches and that's what we did see last week as well Le'Veon 15 carries and one target and Daryl had just three carries and zero targets so you know we can start Le'Veon with a little more confidence than we have for net last week like even though Le'Veon hasn't been killing it he's been active he's been the outright RB2 in one game without Clyde we saw him step up so dream matchup against the Falcons make sure that you know Mahomes and company aren't going to be resting I haven't exactly looked at the playoff scenarios but you know if it's not this week it's certainly going to be week 17 where they don't really have to worry about the playoffs much longer keep an eye on that but Mahomes and company are going at these Falcons. Le'Veon Bell is going to be a top 16 option at the position uh, thanks to this sort of, you know, 15-plus touch workload and the league's single best offense. 
That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you as always for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you all have a great holiday season. We'll not be having a Friday edition of this podcast, but make sure you check out PFF.com for all the info on injuries that we usually provide you for there. So thank you as always for tuning in. We will be back Wednesday with a uh, game-by-game preview of Week 16, and then also Thursday with uh, Rotor Rose Pat Dottery going through 10 questions. So I'm Ian Hardis. Thank you as always for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.